Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. As we get into the Word today, would you hold up your Bible, whether you have a good old-fashioned printed version or maybe you have an electronic version, that's all good too. But we're going to lift it up together today and we're going to say this declaration together just in faith. Why we do Why do we do this? Well, it's just words. Well, yeah, it's just words. But we come today with a heart that's open, ears that are ready to hear, eyes that are ready to see, and a heart that's ready to receive. And so let's declare this together today. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. So I open my heart today to hear and receive the word of the Lord. Hey, as I speak today, I would ask that you not just listen to the words that come out of my mouth, but that your heart would be ready to receive something from the Lord. Because I'm just a person. I'm just sharing. It's just me, right? I, I, I'm not, I would say of myself, I'm, not, I'm nothing special. But I'm excited that I get to bring the word, but more importantly, that the Holy Spirit would customize and that you would receive something today from him. Even if it's one thing, just receive something from him today. Hey, we're going to be talking today, and the title of my message is Become a Better Investor. Become a Better Investor. No, this is not an investing course on stock market and this and that. Hey, I wouldn't even probably know where to begin. I'm, I'm, uh, that's, I'm limited in that field. But become a better investor. And you know, uh, when you think of the word investing, most of the time we think of, well, the stock market. You know, I'm, I'm going to buy something. I'm going to have uh, different kinds of things that I'm investing my portfolio. I've got to diversify it, this and that. But there's other things that you could invest in. Maybe a business venture. Maybe you're like, hey, I really like to knit potholders, and I want to invest in my company, right? Or it could be something else, real estate. But there's things like your health. Maybe you're investing in your health. You like to go to the gym. Maybe uh, you have a hobby that you really enjoy, and you invest your time in that hobby. That's what you're doing, investing. And, uh, you know, when, when it comes to investing, especially like the stock market, let's say, it takes a long time. They tell you to put in a little bit of money over time and leave the money and let it grow and build over time. You don't take it out. Oh, the market's not doing good. They encourage you, no, leave it in. Leave it. Keep investing. Well, the same is true for us in investing that uh, it takes time, whatever we do. Investing in something takes time. It's not just automatic. It would be nice, right? You throw something in the microwave, you crank it to one minute, ding, 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 boom, it's done. I'm ready to go right? That's what our society, that's what we've been kind of come to expect, like, hey, I want my food. I want it now. I should receive this, right? Uh, Amazon ruined us when they go like, you can have Amazon Prime. Everything you order is two days. And then you go to order something and it's like, it's going to be here in four weeks. And you're like, what? Why do I pay for Prime if it's not here in two days, right? So there's all kinds of things. Well, today I want to talk about becoming an investor, a better investor in two areas. Becoming a better investor, number one, become a better investor in our relationship with God. 
It's our walk. You know, you can say it different ways, my relationship with Jesus, my walk with him. It's really your life in Christ, okay? And number two, become a better investor in other people. Other people are really your prize, and we'll talk about it as we go through. And in either case, our relationship with God or our relationship with other people, it takes time. And really, there is no other substitute from just taking time. If you want to get to know somebody, what does it take? It takes your time. You can't go, hey, let me pay you 50 bucks for your hour, and we're going to get through this. I'm going to get to know you, and next week I'm going to pay another 100 bucks. You, you might do that. That might encourage them to come back. Hey, I like this person. They're paying me to just spend time with them. But really, it takes time. No other way. I'm sure you've had some kind of either relationship. Maybe it's a friend, a coworker, And at first, when you spend time with them, you're like, I don't even know if I like them. Right? Come on now. It will be honest. We'll, be, we'll talk together today. Or you might have even a, a family member that you didn't really know. And the first time you're with them, you're like, gosh, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. Maybe somebody that you uh, know that at first you're like, well, uh, I talked about the weather. And you're thinking in your head, what else can I bring up? Well, yeah, those, uh, well, the weather, right? It's going to be better this week, right? Because you just don't have any relationship with him. There's no common ground most of the time. You're just trying to figure out something, small talk, to get to know them. But it takes time. So today we're going to look in uh, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 is going to kind of be our, uh, we'll call it our foundation for the message today. Mark chapter 3. In verses 13 through 15 in the NIV today, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, and I'd like to start by all of us reading these verses together, okay? We're going to read them out loud, and let's do it loudly, okay? So Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15, if you don't have the NIV or a different translation, the words will be up on the screen today, and you can read along. But let's do this together. On the count of three, we're going to read out loud and loudly from Mark chapter 3. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three, go. Jesus went out on a mountainside and called to the, him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons, okay? So Jesus went on a mountainside, went up on a mountainside, and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and then he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Uh, Luke also recounts the story in Luke chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13. It says this, one of those days Jesus went out, to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. So it wasn't just like Jesus showed up and he's like, hey, God, thanks for this day. I don't know what else to pray for, but I, I ask that you help me. No, it says that Jesus went to the mountainside. He prayed all night, all night. And then in the morning, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. What, what I am catching, and I hope you do too, is that as we read this, that Jesus, he spent time with the Father before he even really called out these 
people that he called disciples or apostles. And so there was a relationship in many other places that we read of Jesus where it would say that he spent time with it. He got up early in the morning, went out and spent time. Or he would tell people, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak what I see the Father speaking. And so there's relationship because if you don't spend time with somebody, how would you know how they would function? What they would say what they might do, how they might handle it. You have to be with that person and almost catch what they're like in order to then go on and represent who they might be. So in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, I want to call out a few things in these three verses that, again, are going to be kind of our foundation for what we're going to talk through. So it says in verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and it says this, and called to them those he wanted. Jesus called the people to himself, and guess what? Jesus is calling people even today. Today, he might do it through someone else. He might do it through his word. He might do it through an experience, but he's calling to people today. He wants to know people. Why? Because we see also in his word that he gave his very life so that he could be with people. And so Jesus called those he wanted. He called people to him. And it goes on to say, and they came to him. They came to him. Now, I don't want to overlook this. I don't want to overanalyze it. But you, me, each of us, when Jesus calls or when he wants to be with us or we want to spend time with him, we actually have to be with him. We have to, let's say, go to him. We have to take a step as they did. It says that they came to him. He could have called out and they would have been like, no, that's good. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need anything else. I'm good where I am right now. I've heard he's kind of cool. I'll listen. I'll watch. But no, that's good. I'm good. No, they came to him. He called to them, and then they came to him. Uh, You know, for each of us, it might be taking a step out of where you are today. I don't know where you are right now this morning, where you are. In your walk with him, in your life, what's happening, what's going on. But take a step, a step forward. Wherever you are, start from here. Don't worry about other people. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about, well, they got this and they got that and I want this, I want that. No, just start where you are today and take one step forward with the Lord. It goes on to say that when they came to him, he appointed 12. Appointed, that word appointed just means chosen for a particular job. Appointed, they were chosen for a particular job. What were these 12 chosen to do? They were chosen to hang out with Jesus for about three and a half years. And then when he left, they were it. (laughs) They were the ones to then carry on. Now, there was others, of course, as we will read. But their job, they were chosen. They were appointed to be with Jesus and then to represent Jesus to other people. They were chosen for a particular job. Even today, you, me, us. We have a particular job that the Lord has for us. It goes on to say that they might be with him. This is what caught my attention in this verse, that they might be with him. It wasn't that Jesus just said, hey, you know, come around, check out what I'm doing, and decide if you want to do what I'm doing. No, he's like, come be with me. I want you to be with me. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And as we read that, these disciples ended up more or less spending three and a half years with Jesus, day and night being around him. And what are they doing? They're getting to know each other. 
They're getting to know how you function, how I function, what I'm about, what am I on mission for. And Jesus wanted to be with them. This is how being with people, this is how relationship is built. This is how trust is built. This is how friendship is built. Being with other people, that's how it happens. Spending time together, going and maybe doing an activity. I like to drink coffee. I don't know about you. So if, if uh, we should get to know each other, let's meet at a coffee shop and we'll drink some coffee and get to know each other. You might like to do something else. You might like to go explore. And you go, hey, let's go hike together. Or you might like to... Uh, draw, paint pictures, and you go, hey, meet me at this place. We're going to do some outside coloring. We're going to pull up our paints, whatever it is, but it takes time. It takes an investment. He goes on to say not only that they would be with him, that the disciples would be with Jesus, but this is why. This is the whole point, that they would be with him and that he might send them out to preach. It's twofold, to preach, sent ones to be sent to declare good news to bring with you good news. I don't know about you, but anytime you pull up any kind of news, social media, the news on the TV, you pull up internet on a device, majority of news that you're hearing is not good news, right? Our world is messed up. Our world is struggling. You probably know people all around you that are struggling, that are dealing with all kinds of things. And yet the Lord has called his disciples here and so on down the line even to us today that we would bring good news. Not that we would just bring another story of, well, yeah, you know, it's really depressing. The, you know, the economy's just not doing really good right now. No, the Lord has called us to bring good news to go, hey, you know what? In spite of that, he's going to provide for you. He'll take care of you. He's got you covered. Lean into him. He'll, he'll make a way when there seems to be no way. And so Jesus wanted to be with them, to send them out to preach, to declare good news, but also this, to, to give them or so that they would have authority to drive out demons. So they were with Jesus. They were sent out to preach, but they were also given authority. Authority, right? With that, that picture, it's been said before, that uh, uh, you could see a police person standing out in the middle of an intersection, right? And they're directing traffic. And they may not have any power to stop a vehicle. And they go, stop. Blow, they, they blow the whistle, right, if they're directing traffic. They might blow and they say, stop, you stop, and you come, right? And they're, they're directing. Now, that police officer doesn't have the power to stop that vehicle if the car just wanted to run them over. And yet they have authority to go, you better stop right now. You stay there. This person's going to come through. The same is true with us. We've been given authority from Jesus himself. We've been given uh, authority not to uh, beat up other people, not to condemn them, not to call out, hey, you're wrong, this and that. But he's given us authority to walk in his goodness toward other people because there are people that are oppressed even today. All around us we know, right? We know it. There's things that are going on. We might even be uh, facing something ourselves. And yet, Jesus has given us authority to expel or push out demons. Why? For freedom. Because he wants people free. He doesn't want them bound. He doesn't want them locked up. He wants people to be living life to the full in him. But sometimes people are held back because of 
demons because of the plan of the enemy. Why? Because the plan of the enemy is to take you out and to destroy you. Why? Because you've been made in the image of God. And Satan, the enemy, is against anything that is of God. So if he can't take out God, he'll go after what? His image, his people. You've been created in him, and so we have to realize that we spend time with Jesus to be with him, to get to know him, to build a relationship, to know who he is, how he functions. But he's also going to call us to go out and do some things, to preach good news, to bring authority into situations and say, no, no, no more. This person, you're free now. You're no, you're no longer bound. You're going to walk in freedom. And he's given us the authority to do that. So now that we've kind of walked through Mark chapter 3, these verses 13 through 15, Jesus went out on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now that we've kind of walked through this, I want to step back and and talk about those two things that I mentioned earlier, that God wants us to become a better investor in two main areas. Number one, become a better investor in our relationship with God, each of us. It's not just, hey, it's for you, but it's not for me. It's good for them. No, for each of us, God wants us to become a better investor in our relationship with him. And I want to walk you through this and show you this. Uh, In John chapter 15, John 15, in verses 4 through 7, in verse 9, it says this. John chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, and verse 9. Remain in me as I also remain in you. And this is Jesus talking. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then verse 9 of chapter 15, it says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now remain in my love. So Jesus is speaking again to his, his disciples or to people that are around him. And he's telling them, hey, you have to remain with me. You have to remain with me. So we have to become a better investor in our relationship with God, not just so that I can get something, but because we have to know who he is. We have to know how he functions. We have to know what is he like or how would he handle this or what does he want to get done in this earth. And it comes by doing, as he says, to remain with him. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Jesus is like, I'm willing to put in the time with you Would you put in the time with me? Would you come and would you spend time with me? The reason this is important to invest our time with him is that before we can do anything else, before we can make an impact, before we can make a difference to anybody else, we have to know him. And he has to know us. We have to know him and he has to know us. If we don't spend time with him... It's like uh, some of the stories that we read where uh, these people try and use the name of Jesus in the book of Acts, and they they go after this guy that's demon-possessed, and they're like, 
And the demon turns around and they go, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? And it says the demon that was in the person took out these people so much so that they ran away naked. Now that's crazy. But you go like, how do, how do the clothes even come? I don't even know, but that's beside the point. We're not going to go there. But the point being that they were, th- these people were trying to use the name of Jesus, but they weren't even connected to Jesus. They didn't even know Jesus. They were like, well, we see something good, so let's just use the name that Paul's using. That looks good to me. I think something will happen. Well, yeah, something happened, but it wasn't what they were expecting. So they have to, we have to remain in Jesus. He says, remain in me, be with me. Why? Because he gives us the picture of a vine and a branch. Or we could, you could look at it like a tree, a big tree and the branches. If that, if that branch isn't connected to the main part of the tree, what happens? It gets cut off, it breaks off, and it lays on the ground. If you notice, maybe for 30 minutes or an hour or a few hours, or it could even be a couple days depending on the tree, the leaves might even still look green. They might look good, that branch. But what happens? Not too much later, those leaves begin to turn maybe a little bit brown or they look like they're just not as fresh and because they're not connected to the source anymore. That's why for us, we have to invest in our relationship with God. We got to be better at it. We have to increase or grow in it. A good example or good story of this is in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 1, it's kind of this in between. Jesus has already been He's back from the dead. He's been raised from the dead. He's spending time with his disciples. He's showing up. He's revealing himself to some people. And uh, it says this in Acts chapter 1, and now he's ascended back to heaven, back to the Father. And in verse 4, it says this of Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now just before this, you can read at the end of the book of Matthew, in Matthew 28, is where Jesus, and we call it the Great Commission, the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go make disciples, baptizing them in my name, right, so on and so forth. He says that, but there he says in Acts, just a little bit of time later, he's like, but wait, but wait. Why? Because you need my presence. You need my spirit. And he goes on, because you've been baptized, John baptized with water, right, baptized into salvation, into Jesus, but he says, not many days from now, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 8, it says this, but you shall receive power, just say power, power. We want to have power, right? We don't want to just walk into a situation and be kind of this, you know, scared, frightened, like, oh, well, you got to listen to me. No, we want to walk in with power, right, and be able to say, cut that out. Don't oppress them anymore. 
enemy, demons, minions, whatever has been assigned, cut that out. Get off them. You can't be there anymore. They need to be free and walk in the Lord. But what does Jesus say? You've got to have the power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So before we can go out and do anything, we have to have his presence. We have to know who he is. We have to be filled with his power before we go out. Why? Because we'll be like those other people that are like, they tried to use the name of Jesus, and they get beat up, and they get, <laughs> they get taken out, and they're like, goodness, what's going on? Well, just a few verses later, in uh, Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here we have both ends of the story. Jesus is like, wait and stay, stay, stay. Remain here until you have the power, and then the power comes. And then they begin to do things because they have the power with them. Why is it important to spend time with the Lord is a good question, right? We might say we should become a better investor in our time with the Lord, in our walk. And you might be, okay, but well, why? Why do I need to do that? Well, Jesus also told us in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew 7, verses 22 to 24, it says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. But Jesus says this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Not, not even I don't know you, but I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Why? Because we have to spend time with Jesus because if we don't, we have an example right here that he said we could get to the end. We're before him, and he's like, I don't even know you. And you go, and you'd be like, well, but I did these things. I went to church. I gave money, I, I gave my time, I even helped other people. I did this, I did this, and the Lord says, but I don't even know you. I don't know you. So this is why we have to invest in our relationship with God, to know him, to know him before we do anything else. Before you do, we should be. Before we do anything else for him, we should be with him and know him. Now, obviously, the day and the time, you know, you might go, somebody calls you in the morning like, hey, I'm really in a, I'm in a spot and I need something right now. Well, yeah, you're going to go and help them, right? I'm, I'm not talking about, well, I didn't have my 30 minutes with the Lord yet, so I can't help you. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that we do need to be investing in our time with the Lord so that when other things come up, we're ready to act, we're ready to function. We can do things for God and yet not even know him or he not even know us. We could, we could do things for him in his name. We could even carry out great exploits, right? It says right here. You could even drive out demons in his name. And he says to you, I don't even know you. So what does that tell us? He wants to be with us. He wants to know us. He wants to be able to go, hey, when I open the word or I pray when I talk, he wants to be able to commune with us and go, hey, how are you today? I love you. I love you. I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. Hey, I, I want to just pour up my love on you. Th these are things and these are ways that he wants to spend time with us.
In John 15, 10 through 11, John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said this, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is why we have to be with him. We have to spend time with him. Why? Because he wants us to not just eke it out in life, you know, like barely make it through. But he also says what? He wants to give us life and life to the full or abundant life. And he says here, I want you to not only know me and know my presence, but I want your joy to be full. I want you to be just so overjoyed in life that as you function and as you operate, as you connect with other people, they're like, gosh, I don't know what's wrong with you, but, right? That's a good testament because you're so full of God's love and his joy. But those only come by us being with him. Only by us investing our time, investing choosing to be with him. And he goes on to say in John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants. I love this. It's a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture. It's not just Jesus saying, hey, try and get something done for me, serve me. But he, it changes here. The, the words and the tone changes. I no longer call you servants Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you, I have called you friends. That is so beautiful to me. When you go from just doing something for somebody and it changes from, hey, how are you doing? And kind of surface level and you get to know them. And man, when you're around them, they just kind of pick you up and They're around you and you pick them up. That's so beautiful and I believe it's a picture of even how the Lord wants to commune with us and be with us and spend time with us. And as we're with him, he goes, hey, I call you my friends. That's such a beautiful picture. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. What? He's showing us, he's teaching you. Everything I've learned from the father, I give to you now. But we have to learn it by being with him. We have to learn it by spending time with him. You know, I, I know that Lauren and I, so we're married. We've been married for a long time now. <laughs> but this next year, we're going to celebrate 20 years, which is exciting. 20 years we've been married, but we've, we've known each other since we were eight, nine years old, okay? So a really long time. I know that for me, when we came to the point where we were engaged and we were married, ready to be married, we're planning everything, I knew this already. She was already my best friend. That's what I would say of her. She was my best friend. But why is that? Because we had spent time together. Now, when you're young, you know, you're kind of dating. It's funny. We didn't drive yet, you know, in even like junior high or high school, somewhere in there. We didn't drive, so what did you have to do? You had to go with your mom to, like, the Tupperware party. You, some of you don't even know what that is. They used to sell this product, Tupperware, okay? I'm telling you, if you've got Tupperware, hold on to it because it still it works really good. But, right, you'd have some kind of party or something, and you'd go, like, hey, can I go with you, Mom? Why? I kind of want to be with Lauren. That's what I Or you'd, at, you'd be at church, you'd spend time together. We didn't have cars, right? So you'd try and do that. But it was through that, just spending time together, knowing each other, that 
even today, my favorite thing, it's not, it's not that I don't like to do other things, but my favorite thing is just to be with her. I love to be with her. Whatever we do, we could be eating breakfast. We could be going and looking at model homes, which we like to do. I don't know why it's funny, but I like to do that. But we spend time together. And sometimes, guess what? We sit in the car and we don't even talk. But we're just together. And it's so good to be together. And to me, it reminds me on a, on a regular basis that the Lord wants to be with me. He wants to spend time with me so that I don't even have to use words. I could just come and sit and I just go, oh, Lord, it's so good to be with you. So good to be in your presence. So where do I start in terms of being, becoming a better investor in our relationship with God? Start where you are right today. Don't try and go, hey, well, I, I know the Lord is calling me to do X, Y, and Z. I, I know for me personally, I, I'll just speak out. I'm working on doing a better job of, of getting up in the morning. I'm lousy at it. I'm getting better. I don't say anymore, okay? This is, I don't say it anymore. I don't say I'm not a morning person, okay? I've learned that I should stop saying that. I'm working on my language, and I'm working on it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but this I know. The Lord, that, that's something I'm working on. That's where I am today. The Lord's like, I want to be with you. Before Things get busy in the day before things come up, before this is happening and that's happening. you got to go to this appointment. You're, you're working, you're doing this and that, being with the Lord. So that's something I'm working on. Start where you are today or just take the next step. Take the next step. Maybe you don't even read your Bible on a regular basis. That's okay. But start today. Just open it up, one chapter. It'll take you five minutes or less to read one chapter. And just come with an open heart that says, okay, I may not know everything, I may not even understand it yet, but I'm, I'm willing to take five minutes and read today. It, for someone else, it may be something different. Maybe you're at the point where you do that really well and you read your Bible and you spend time, but maybe you don't spend a whole lot of time of praying and being with the Lord. Maybe you could go, I'm going to increase my time from five minutes of dedicated time with the Lord to I'm going to do 15 minutes. Whatever it is. Take the next step and move forward. Invest more time with the Lord. And this is the reason why. Because as we invest more time with the Lord, we get to know him. He gets to know us. We know his voice, right? Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice. They know me, right? We can't know his voice if we don't spend time with him. And so in order to know who he is, we have to spend time with him. And, and number two, become a better investor in other people. So first, we have to invest our time with the Lord. We have to be with Him. We have to know Him. We've got to spend time with Him. We got to uh, maybe set aside something. Maybe you uh, watch a lot of TV, and maybe it's time for you to go. Hey, I'm not going to watch as much TV. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to spend some time reading my Bible, or maybe I'm going to do something like that with the Lord. So we have to invest first with the Lord, but we also have to become a better investor in other people. A better investor in other people. So after we invest time with the Lord, we invest time in being with people. But something important is that we can't go after and try and give, give, give to people without being with the Lord. You'll run dry. Why? There's many people, you may have heard this before, let's say even in ministry, pastors, leaders that are in ministry and they do what? They get burned out. 
And why do they get burned out? Many people I've heard, I even know people personally that I went to school with that were in ministry, they're no longer in ministry, they got burned out. Why? Because they got to the point where they were doing so much for other people. I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking this week, I got to get ready for that, or uh, there's this ministry, that person needs help, we got to do this, we got to do that, but they spend so much time doing other things that they no longer are spending even any time with the Lord. So we have to make sure that we spend time with the Lord, but we invest time in the Lord and then we go invest time in other people. John chapter 15 verse 8 says this, this is to my Father's glory. So this is in this whole part of John chapter 15 that we already read where he's like, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you can't do anything if you're not connected to me. I'm your source, we got to be, you got to, Stick with me. you got to remain in me and my love in you. And in verse 8 is where he says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Well, who are we showing ourselves to? It's to other people. What are we bearing fruit? It's bearing fruit with other people. Uh, and he makes that very clear because he goes on to say, in, uh, in John chapter 15, a little later in the, in the chapter, in verses 16 to 17, he says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What? We read earlier in, in Mark chapter 3, he said that they would be with me, appointed. What is that appointed for? It's a specific task. It's a specific pur purpose. And he says here again, I chose you and I appointed you. I selected you for a specific job, a specific purpose. What? To do this, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Well, we know he's talking about people. Why? Because fruit doesn't last, Right? After a little bit, even if it's on the vine and stays on the vine, after a while, what does it do? It rots out. And it disintegrates. It'll go back into the ground. And so it's a picture of us with other people. It's not just fruit on the vine. It's fruit of people. But he says, I appointed you so that you might go and that you would bear fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that's enduring, fruit that's eternal. Why? Because people, we know one day, one time, whether we pass away or the Lord comes back, we will be with him in his presence. And I believe that people are our reward. It's not the house that we have. It's not the business that we built. It's not the, uh, the nest egg that we built so I can retire and I can have what I need. No, it's other people that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other love one another that's what we're doing we're supposed to invest in other people but we know it takes time it takes time and sometimes you're just like oh I don't have time and the Lord says give your time anyways right right things don't wait right a need comes up something happens you're like oh I just it's not in my schedule today. I didn't put it in my, right, in my schedule. No, see God because from 10 to 12, I'm supposed to be working on this work project. Maybe after that, I could think about, no, the Lord's like, invest in them right now. Invest in them right now. Uh, a good picture of investing in somebody else 
is found in the book of Acts chapter 18. We're going to turn there. And so you can either turn there or you can look on the screens in Acts chapter 18 in verses 24 through 28. Acts 18 verses 24 through 28. There's this dynamic duo couple named uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, who do a lot of ministry, as you read in the book of Acts, and powerhouse people. Uh, but it says this, that they encounter a guy named Apollos, okay? So it's Priscilla and Aquila, and they encounter a guy named uh, Apollos. So in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28, it says this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. So they're in the city of Ephesus. And he was a learned man, right? He's educated. And he had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, right? He knows he knows the Old Testament inside and out at that point. Okay? He knows the scriptures. He knows what they say. He's learned. And it says this that he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He not only is familiar, he's been taught in the Old Testament scriptures. But he's instructed in the way of the Lord, meaning he knows about Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. And it says this in verse 25, that he spoke with great fervor and he taught about Jesus accurately. So not only is he kind of like a charismatic guy and he gets up there and he's like, this is who he is and this is why I can prove it from the scriptures. He does it with fervor and it says he did it accurately, meaning he was right on with what he said. He knew who Jesus was. But it says this, though he only knew the baptism of John. If you study, you would know or you would find that the baptism of John is what they would refer to as as salvation. Okay, So early on before Jesus started, John the Baptist came and he came preaching repentance. And repentance was turn from your sin and turn to the Lord. And that's why they refer many times to as the baptism of John. That's what it was. It was salvation to Jesus. But it says here of Apollos that he only knew the baptism of John. And and it says this in verse 26 of, of Acts chapter 18. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So man, this guy, he's charismatic. He does it accurately and he does it boldly. He didn't just go to somewhere else, but it says he went to the synagogue. He went right into where the Jewish believers gathered, who at that time, probably many of them didn't even recognize. They're like, no, this Jesus guy, we don't know who he is, you know, because of this and that. But he goes right into the heart of it with boldness, and he speaks and he teaches accurately about Jesus. But it says this, that he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And I love this. In verse 26, it says, When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I love this. Hear this dynamic duel. They hear this guy speaking and teaching. And they go like, well, he's right. He's accurate. He's charismatic. Like, he does it. And he's bold. Like, he's obviously, he knows what he's doing. And yet they grab him and they pull him aside and they go, hey, why don't you come to our house? Why don't you come to our place and what do they do? They begin to invest in Apollos. And they begin to invest in him by doing this, that they begin to explain to him the way of God more accurately. It wasn't that he didn't know about Jesus. It says he was accurate. 
But he only knew the baptism of John. He only knew about salvation. And so these guys who are filled with the Spirit of God, Priscilla and Aquila, they begin to teach him about, hey, here's the whole thing. Not only do you need salvation, but you need the power of God. Not only do you need salvation, but you need the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be with you. And so they spend time with him. They teach him. They help explain to him the way of God more accurately. And then I love in the next couple of verses, in verses 27 and 28, Paulus is like, hey, can I go on? i got to go to this next place. He's so excited. He can't even wait. And they're like, yeah, go. Okay. And it says, when he goes to where he arrived, in verse 27, that he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Not only that had he come and he knew about Jesus, but because they had spent time investing in him, he knew more accurately. And what happens? He comes and he's a great help to these individuals. Not only that, in verse 20 it says, he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponent in, uh, opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. So he comes and he goes, why? Because somebody invested in him. Somebody took time in him. I remember uh, many years ago uh, that when I was, oh, I was about, I don't know, maybe 12, 12 or 13, I had this thought or idea of I want to learn how to play the guitar, okay? So I asked my dad who played a little bit, and my dad would do worship with church and things like that. And so I'm like, Dad, would you teach me how to play? And so he taught me four chords, C chord, G chord, F chord, and A minor, okay? If you don't know what that means, that's okay. You don't need to know. But basically, it's four chords in one key that you could do something. Now, my fingers were funny. I couldn't press the strings on the guitar hard enough so that it, it always sounded like a, a brook, 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 but it never sounded beautiful, okay? Uh, my dad showed me. But I, I lost interest. Why? Because my fingers hurt. Gosh, that hurts. I don't want to do this. And so I set it aside and I didn't do anymore. And then I finally came back. I was more in high school and I finally felt like, you know what? I, I really need to do this. And I'm like, Dad, would you help me? And he's like, okay. So my dad would spend time. He would sit down. He would show me some chords. He would show me some things. And then he'd be like, okay, now you got to practice. Okay, God. I'll do this for you and I'll follow what my dad is saying, Okay. And so I remember starting to play guitar at church. Now, I wasn't good enough. I say I wasn't good enough. So I wasn't even plugged in. My guitar wasn't plugged in, you know, so I'd be up on stage. My guitar wasn't even plugged in because my parents were like, learn how to play. I'm like, okay, well, how do I do that? On Sunday, you get up there, you play all the songs, you learn the songs, you learn how to play with other people. Okay, I'll do it. Man, and back in those days, there wasn't like, a chords and E chords and all these fun chords. I mean, it was like three flats and four flats. If you don't know what that means, it's okay. You don't need to. It just means it was piano-driven heavy, okay? And those don't do well on fingers that are trying to learn how to play a guitar. You're like trying to push, and you have to do what's called a bar chord. And it was all the time, and I'm like, forget this. I can't do this. So I, I learned how to cheat, and they, they had this little device called a capo, a little capo. You flick it on, and then, then you can play G in any, any key you want. You just put it on different parts of the guitar. Anyways, all that to say, my dad invested in me a little bit. And then I remember going to a summer camp where I got to intern. And uh, I remember getting to play, and... 
it was the same thing. I, I had started to play, and I was okay, but it was like, ah, I don't know. Well, there was a guy there that was this amazing guitarist. And I'm like, how do I get to be like that? Well, it takes time. But I remember leaving that summertime because he spent time with me almost every day showing me something. Hey, you got to play it this way. You should do that. Hey, try this with your fingers. It'll help you out. He invested in me. Now, I haven't talked to him in, this is a long time, but I haven't talked to him in like 25 years probably. It's probably been 25 years. He's in ministry out on the East Coast. I know that. Uh, we're connected on it. I haven't talked to him in a long time. But he invested in me. And it's made a difference in me. Now I can pull out my guitar, I can play, and not that I'm by any means a, a great guitarist, but it's something that it's a gift that I can use now today because somebody spent time with me. Somebody invested in me. So I love that this picture of Priscilla and Aquila, they take this guy, Apollos, he knows it, but they spend time teaching him and investing his, their time with him. So it tells us this, that we should invest our time with others. We should add value to other people. We should add value to other people. Tommy Walker, who is a worship pastor, a musician, uh, a songwriter, I remember hearing him a number of years ago say, learn to sing the song of another. And you go, well, that's kind of weird. And what he was meaning was learn to encourage and lift up other people. It's not just about your gift or what you can do, but he's like, bring other people along. Teach them. Let them be close to you. Uh, spend time with them, invest in them, but sing the song of another. John Maxwell, who is, uh, would many would say, is probably the greatest leadership voice of our current time. He's been doing leadership things for, I don't know, 40 years probably, 30, 30 plus years at least. And uh, uh, he wrote a book not too long ago, which is really about purpose and all these different things. But what he says is here he is later in life, he's still doing all these leadership things, and he said, what I've learned, what it's come down to is how can I add value to somebody else? How can I add value to somebody else? So he says, when I'm at meetings or I'm at conferences, he might speak, but he's like, I really want to sit down with people, and I want to go, what can I give them? I, I can't give them maybe money, or I can't help them do this or that, but I could add value to them in some way, some way, shape, or form. And the Lord wants us to do the same thing. John chapter 15, verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus said. There's nothing greater than to lay our lives down for other people for people that we love and people that we care for. In John 15, a few verses later, in verses 16 and 17, Jesus said this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and that, uh, so that whatever you ask in my name, and we've read this, that I would give it to you. This is my command, love each other. Finally, in, in Luke chapter 22, uh, Luke 22, Jesus said this in verses 27 to 30. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is not the one who is at the table? But Jesus said this to his disciples, but I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves. 
Verse 28, he says, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. Right earlier, Jesus calls people to him. He calls disciples to himself. And why? Because he wanted them to be with him. He wanted them to learn who he was, who his kingdom was, who the Father was, so that as he went away, that they would be able to carry it on. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And then I love this. In verse 29, Luke 22, 29, Jesus said this. And I confer on you a kingdom. It's like he's breathing on them and saying, on you, on you I give you this kingdom. What? This kingdom is this, that my Father conferred one on me, that here you are eating and drinking at my table, but that we would do it together in my kingdom. This beautiful picture of being connected, being in relationship, knowing Him, Him knowing us, us investing in other people. And so today, as we close, I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in your relationship with God, take a step forward. Take just a a step forward. If you read today, maybe you need to read a little bit more of His Word. If you pray, maybe it needs to be a little bit more. If you don't do that, maybe you should start. Maybe maybe you need to work on your investing with other people. Maybe you're good with the Lord, and maybe you're like, oh, I love my time with the Lord. Maybe you need to invest with other people today. Add value to somebody else. And you go, well, I don't have this, I don't have that. And right, so many times Jesus would say, what do you have? Who are you? What have I given you? What have you come through What's your story? Your story could be used to change somebody else's life. And so today it's not about what you don't have, but it is what you do have. And Jesus would, I would say, spend time with him. Invest in your time with him. And invest your time with other people. Add value to other people. Let's close today by just bringing our hearts before the Lord. Good. Why don't you close your eyes today? Maybe if you're comfortable, let's open our hands before the Lord. And let's do this. Let's just, from our heart, from us individually, use our words in whatever way to just say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to be connected. Come on, talk to him today, wherever you are today, whatever you have. Just say, Lord, I want to know you deeper. I want to know you closer. Maybe you don't know him yet, and and so maybe today, Your step is actually to go, okay, I want to know who this Jesus is. Maybe your step today is to say, I need to open my heart and I want to use my heart by believing in my words to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Maybe that's your first step today. Maybe your step is, I'm struggling in life and maybe your step is to say, Jesus, I need to trust you more. And I need to do that by being convinced of who you are, that when I put my trust in you, my faith in you, that you will not disappoint me. You will come through. But just tell them wherever you are today, just speak a few words. However your words come out, let it just be a conversation between you and him today. Lord, I love you. I praise you. I want to know you more. I want to know you deeper. I want to know you closer. I thank you that you call us friends today. That we're not just standing afar off, but you know us, you love us, and you want us to be with you today. 
Not only that, but you want us to invest in other people, add value to other people, encourage to lift up others. And so, Lord, we say our heart is open to you. We, we may not even have much today, but we, with a heart that says, whatever I do have, Lord, I want to give it in your name. Even if it's telling other people about my story, it doesn't take much to tell them about your story today. And so, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for your truth today. Let it impact our hearts. Lord, let anything I said be washed away today. Let it be something that you're speaking today. You know each heart. You know where each person is today. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast. Thank you.